1: On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was the teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Welcome to another episode of Between the Lines. On this episode, I will be speaking with Blaise Langwa. Hello, Blaise, and welcome to Between the Lines.
2: Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. So rather than have me read from a piece of paper about who you are or what you do or what you like to do, uh, we're just going to let the audience hear you give a brief bio about yourself. So with that being said, go ahead.
2: Okay, so I'm Blaise Langua, and I'm a a fairly new writer. I like to call myself emergent. I live in uh, Frankfurt, Ontario, which is sort of between Toronto and Ottawa, and I'm a mother of four, pretty busy lady. I work full-time. I'm an elementary school teacher. I've taught, you know, K to eight. And yeah, so in my spare time, when I'm not writing, when I squeeze that in, I am, I enjoy dance. I enjoy music. I enjoy art. I love all the arts. And so I spend a lot of time doing that or spending time with my family. Gardening is a big thing for me lately. So, well, not lately. The weather doesn't really call for that here, but yeah, I really enjoy gardening as well. And that's about all I do with my time.
1: Well, it doesn't sound like you have a whole lot of time to spare.
2: I don't. I really don't. <laughs>
1: but how do you manage it?
2: I think I have a supportive husband who's fantastic and other family like my mom who um, help out with some stuff. And I think the kids are a little bit older now. My eldest is in high school, so they're a little bit more independent. Our youngest, she um, keeps me on my toes. And yeah, I think I just try to find time for me. I think it's important for my own mental health and uh, my family's health. <laughs> That I am a sane human being, yeah, I think I just try to I just try to carve out the time that I need for myself.
1: uh let's get right into this here. Question number one, do you recall the first time uh you were inspired to write outside of an educational setting?
2: I do. I was in high school I mean I think I always liked to write because of school, you know, having really good inspiration and really good teachers, especially second grade was a big thing for me. <laughs> it sounds so young, but that was a big time. But uh, in high school, I have an older brother, about 18 months older, who introduced me to Leonard Cohen. And yeah, I mean, say no more, right? Like as soon as I read, my brother gave me a copy of uh, Stranger Music. Mm. And I just fell in love with poetry that much deeper. I really started to look at it in a, in a more almost organic way, if that makes sense. I think that, you know, before that, you're there's a lot of forced rhyme and a lot of teenage angst and a lot of <laughs> really just bad poetry. So after reading him, I think I sort of, my eyes opened to really what I always call poetry is the art of words. It's really like the art of words. It's like painting something with words. And that was really kind of what sent me on on that journey into loving Into loving writing for myself. At that point in time, it was really for myself.
1: Yeah. It usually is though, isn't it?
2: Mm -hmm. For me, for poetry, for sure, it's very personal. And that's been very hard to, uh, to share. I've done well with it, sharing it, but it's, it was very scary. I think the first time I I did that and, and, you know, expected somebody to maybe pay me (laughs) or to publish my work.
1: Uh, don't get ahead of the questions here. Yeah no yeah school it was the same thing for me as well so I I can relate to that one hundred percent and uh, so yeah no that's uh, that's interesting but it's funny how you tied it into music as well mm-hmm. because like, um, Leonard Cohen uh, was a later discovery for me because I was always the the heavy metal guy and 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 stuff back then yeah
2: yeah uh, and I think it was a good introduction to like other Canadian authors and writers that, yeah, you know, maybe I wasn't in high school. You're exposed to sort of a set curriculum. So it was kind of nice to have something that I think you almost feel like it's like rebellious or right, you're in high school and you're, you know, you're reading things that are quite adult and have adult themes and you feel like you're doing something that's sneaky or <laughs> rebellious or, you know, it's just a part of growing up, I guess.
1: Well, maybe, but reading Leonard Cohen, did that not give you a sense that the bar was set too high for you right from the get-go? In in what sense? In writing. Like, because we look at our writing and we try to, I don't know about you, but I've compared my writing to some of the, you know, people. So a Canadian like Leonard Cohen, reading his stuff and then looking at yours going, yeah, I'll never compare to that. Was that that a bar that was set too high or
2: Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think it was more I looked at it as it was almost like a confirmation, an affirmation that sort of, you know, the things that I was thinking about and the things I wanted to write about and the way in which I wanted to speak about what I saw in the world or felt in the world could be done in such a way that it wasn't Shakespearean and it wasn't you know it was kind of outside the box if and so i think that i mean i always think i have a bit of imposter syndrome i think most writers suffer from that to some degree so i think it didn't make me feel like it was unachievable okay but at the same time i think when that was happening in my life that wasn't really a goal for me
1: okay so loosely tied into that first question then about uh your what brought you into writing can you remember uh, The, the, the first thing you wrote, can you remember what you wrote? Like the very first thing I ever wrote? No, well, or, you know, thereabouts. What, what really, what was it that you wrote that made you think <laughs> I can do this?
2: Oh, I don't, um, well, I mean, I won a young writer's award in grade four. <laughs> well,
1: that's pretty young.
2: That <laughs> was pretty young. That made me think like, you know, I might have some, I might have some skills in this. But I don't think it was until, I don't really know. I think, I think what happened for me, sort of my breakthrough was I had been putting off sort of sharing my writing and with some encouragement from like family and uh, my brother, who's also a writer, he's a nonfiction writer. He sort of was like, Hey, this is good. Like you should put this out there. I entered the CBC poetry contest and after I did it, I thought, you know, I can do this. Like, you know, I don't, and at that point, I didn't care if it got accepted. I didn't care if, you know, somebody liked it. I just felt like I just got over that initial fright of of putting it out there into the public sphere. So I think, I think from that point, even though that wasn't accepted, I think that was what gave me sort of the, the push to just go for it and think, you know, there's, there's an audience for everything. There and the more I was researching into, you know, being a writer and joining Facebook groups and connecting with other authors or, you know, new authors, indie authors, that I thought, you know, there's there, and you see a lot of not so good stuff. And you think, you know you
1: read some of stuff that. then. <laughs> oh no. Some
2: of your stuff is great. And I think that uh you you just yeah, I think, hey, I can do that
1: too. So you 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 mentioned social media and stuff, so how How much has social media helped you with your writing
2: oh so like a lot really, so I, I know think you're that's... part of
1: my group, mhm, and you're probably a part of other groups as well on Facebook, for example, yeah, and... yeah,
2: I think it uh it sort of started out with i I somehow fell into watching something with a, with an author did a workshop and I, I just watched it. And, um, this was sort of after I had entered the contest and thought, how do I even become a writer? How do I do this? And he talked a lot about ways to, you know, connect with different people through social media. So I started following certain people, started joining certain groups and the connections I've made have been so worth it. And I can't imagine how I would have done any of that before social media. Like, I don't know how I would have connected with people in the States, people in Australia, people all over the place who are into the same type of writing that I'm into, who are new at writing, who, you know, like whether it's Horror Writers Association, or like the Science Fiction Poetry Association, or just different groups, your own group, right, for the Canadian writers, um, creative writers. I think that social media is kind of what it was it was necessary I don't know how else I would have would have done any of that
1: there's a lot of negative aspects to social media as we're witnessing uh through Mm. the last little while but so these writing groups I mean there's good and bad to parts of every writing group because you know you're, you're mixing so many different personalities within a certain area so there's bound to be conflict or you know those those angsty moments but for the most part social media The writing groups that I've been a part of, at least, have been very helpful in, well, for encouragement, feedback, uh, all those things that we as writers need that would, as you have pointed out, hard to get prior to social media.
2: Yeah, like I think that it's really given a voice to people who, like when you talk about your intro and you talk about these lesser known authors who maybe haven't had their shot or had their chance to kind of be put in the spotlight. And I think that it offers like just a different platform. It offers, like you said, the support that you get when you can just make these connections and you can contact somebody and you can, you know, share your success, which is so like nobody else I know is going to care how many words I wrote for NaNoWriMo. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it's a big deal. And to other authors who are doing it, it's important to them so you kind of feel like you find your tribe right you find your 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 people who are just as wacky as you or just as demented as you and it's quite okay and it's supportive which is good
1: yeah you've already touched on this question so were you one of those writers who kept everything bottled up into yourself or were you one of those writers who you'd write something and then you go look look at this look at this <laughs>
2: I think when I was little, maybe I shared a lot, but as I got older and things became more introspective and personal, not so much. I think I remember I had a bad experience in high school where I remember there was a boy everybody loved and, you know, we were all fawning over him. And he was a cool guy and was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll read your poetry. And I gave him it all in this little folder and he never gave it back. <laughs> so Brian LaRose, mm, you stole my writing. <laughs> yeah and I so after that I was like oh forget that I'm not uh you know I don't want to lose before you could, I I mean I didn't write it on a laptop I didn't save anything I mean we just barely used computers back then and so I think that uh that kind of made me keep things more to myself maybe not so much of I'm afraid to share it as I am afraid to have it not
1: come back to me yeah or lost yeah
2: (laughs) right because like I didn't have any other copies so like I mean, I'm sure it was really bad poetry. At the time, it was really important to me. And um, to have lost, that was really was really kind of um, a challenge. But I think that, I think I've always been a storyteller. And like if we go camping or um, my kids just want to hear a story. So I've never had a problem sharing with my own kids or my students. They enjoy and ask me for stories. And I just kind of throw things together for them. But I think sort of where it comes to judgmental adults, I've always, that's been kind of nerve wracking, but I've kind of gotten over that. I think that, you know, I, like I said before, there's an audience for everything and I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and I'm okay with that. That's all right by me.
1: Well, it's a good place to be though.
2: Yeah, I feel good. I mean, I don't have anything like, I mean, I'm fortunate in the sense that it's like, it's not my entire life. I don't have to, I'm, I'm not trying to carve out a living. Um, Being a writer, I do it because I enjoy it Mm -hmm. and um, I don't have to sacrifice other things in order to to be a writer, you know, and I I definitely give it to people who are and that's their full-time job because it's not easy and I can see how hard it is to like carve out a living as a full-time writer. Yeah, so I think that for myself, I haven't had that pressure, which has been nice.
1: So I just want to back up here for a second. So Brian LaRose, if you <laughs> still have her writing, she wants it back and we'll let you know where you can send that to her. Uh, but going back <laughs> to, back to Brian LaRose, not returning that, did you feel a part of you had now been lost?
2: I did. I think because it's so personal, I felt like that was something that, because when you were talking about, do you remember writing? Like when I write like I usually kind of remember what I've written um, as I'm going through, but like when I write poetry, I'll go back like a few weeks, even days later sometimes and go, well, where did that come from? Did mm-hmm. I actually write that? Like I'll read it and I'll have to think to myself, oh, no, no idea. I mean, it had to be me, like who else would have written it? So um, for that to be lost, it's like, I feel like that's that part of me that I, it's just kind of out there and gone. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, when I think I was like fifteen, sixteen, you know, what did I know about life back then? Everything. So, well, yes, I should have left home when
1: I was. We, happy. we were teenagers. We knew everything.
2: That's true. I could have ruled the world, but <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I think it's true. I think that to lose that part of my, to lose that writing was very personal, and I think that, um, you do feel like part of you kind of goes with it.
1: Yeah. So, Brian yeah, Rose, we're right. looking for you. <laughs>
2: I am really over it, really, Randy. I think I've I've moved past that.
1: Um you remembered his name.
2: <laughs> well, I it's a small high school. Like
1: <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> Moving on then. We'll leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh do you have a secret writing place that you uh hide yourself away in to write?
2: Sometimes I have to hide in like the bathroom. So <laughs> I like lock the door and hope that like it's my youngest. It's not the three boys. It's the youngest, the girl. <laughs> and she has to be with mom quite often. So I think that sometimes I'll just go in, I'll lock the door, and or I'll hide in my walk-in closet. Okay. I've I've hidden in there to write before. But usually don't I just um, wait till the kids go to bed.
1: Don't open the laptop.
2: Yeah. But I think that I usually write in my bed. I like to be comfy. I like to have my pillows all behind me. My husband laughs because I kind of position my laptop. He says I look like a T Rex because my arms are like <laughs> and he does he does an imitation of me as I'm writing and I'll look over and have these little yep, that's exactly it. And he um he just laughs. So sometimes, you know, I use my uh speech to text because okay. my little T Rex arms get tired.
1: Uh, for the people who are listening, I'm actually mimicking a T-Rex right now. I yeah, it's a pretty good
2: one too. I probably look like...
1: <laughs> yeah, but they don't have beards. What would it take for you to feel fulfilled in your writing?
2: It was interesting because when I was like kind of looking over the, the questions, like thinking about what that really meant to me, and it used to sort of be when I publish a novel. When I publish a novel, I'll will be a, I'll be a real author. I'll be fulfilled. I'll feel like I've really done it. Because it took a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that, that, even though I am working on a novel, but that writing short stories, which is my favorite, and poetry, like, those those are okay things. And I don't have to write a novel to be an author. I don't have to write a novel to be recognized. But I think for myself, when I'm – I think I'll feel sort of like I've made it when I have people – read my work and, and say to to say to me something about how they, they saw themselves in my work, whether it's, you know, through poetry or short stories that as a character, they could see themselves and their place in the world in something that I've written. And then I think I'll feel like, yeah you know what? I've done that because I, I think diversity is important. I think that like inclusivity is important. And when I write, more so my short stories than than my poetry, I feel like my characters need to represent real people, mm-hmm. real people in the real world. And when, you know, finally someone comes to me and says, hey, you know what, I'm really glad you wrote about that character who was like a wheelchair user or that character who was deaf or that character who, you know, had mental health issues and like that's normalized, then I'll, I think I'll feel good about that.
1: Yeah, the, the when the feedback starts to come in, you know you've made an impact. Somehow, yeah, yeah. Know, or or your writing is relatable to them, or it's it's significant to them, to the reader in some aspect.
2: It sure is, and I think maybe like my biggest moment. It sounds kind of cheesy, but um, I had written a short story for like eight to ten year olds, and I read it to my students just to kind of get bounce off of them and see what if they liked it or not. Um, it was kind of just like an adventure fantasy, kind of more dark fantasy story, but for like little or kids. And when I finished reading, one of my students said, oh, you wrote that? And I said, well, yeah, I said that at the beginning, that I wrote it. It was my story. <laughs> and then they all clapped. All my little students clapped for my story. And I thought, I don't care if this ever gets published. That was enough for me yep. right there. It got yep. my target audience. Those kids enjoyed it. They asked for more. They wanted to know about what happens next. And that was enough.
1: So this next question is a new question in my list of questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're you're going to be the first one to have a crack at the answer. Okay. All right. So which type of writer are you? Are you A, the plotter, someone who plans out every little part of, of what you're writing? Or are you a uh, pantser, uh, which is basically somebody who just writes by the, the seat of their pants uh, with no plotting or anything? Or are you a... Plantser, which is someone who is a little bit of both.
2: I'm definitely a plantser. Oh, really? I um oh for sure. When I when I write, I have like um I see it like a movie. So in my head, my entire story, or like usually I look at the ending. I usually get the ending first. Like this is how I want my story to end, and then I build my story around that. So I'll kind of plan out sometimes, like, some rough characters or, you know, uh, like these rough scenes. I'm a, I'm a scene planner, if that makes sense. I have all these scenes in my head, and I kind of plan out these scenes, like snapshots in a film. Mm-hmm. And then, then I fill in the gaps, and that's sort of how I write.
1: it has been working for you.
2: So far, so good. Yeah, I think that I don't know how to do it any other way, I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes on the odd occasion, I'll do a whole story just like kind of by the seat of my pants, but not usually, I usually get a nugget of some sort of inspiration and that. And again, like I honestly, it's like a movie in my head. And if I'm thinking about writing, I had this happen a couple weeks ago, where I was driving, and I was revising a kind of an idea in my head, and I drove right past my exit, kind of looked around and went, where am I because this happens to me when I read as well, like I don't see the words on the page anymore. It's like, I kind of, I I guess that only happens to some people. Not everybody experiences that. I thought everybody did, but apparently they don't. When I'm reading, I don't actually see the words anymore. I just see pictures in my head. So as I was driving, these pictures were in my head. And then I kind of like, kind of came out of it and was like, oh, oh, I just missed my exit. I don't recognize where I am. And yeah, so that's kind of how it happens to me. I see it like a movie and then I see just scenes and then, or sometimes, like, a really good line or something, and then I just work everything around it.
1: Have you ever thought mm-hmm. about taking up film directing?
2: <laughs> um, I would love to. I would love to. I Like, my plan is to eventually, like, get into screenwriting. Okay. I think that, I think I'd be good at it, to be
1: honest. Well, if that's how you visualize what you're supposed to be reading, I mean, it makes
2: sense. It does make sense. And that's kind of how I see things when yeah I see it like a film, and I'm a big film buff like i love I love movies always have that's kind of how I see it. so sometimes it's hard as a writer writing a short story or a novel to put that into words because it's very different if you're putting it into a screenplay where you're talking about you know setting and like there's all these little details that like in a story would be hard to put in and make it flow um but yeah, so that's kind of my my planning. My my thing, like poetry, is very more like organic. Comes from whatever I'm thinking, feeling. I might just get a, a line that I think sounds beautiful, and I just kind of go with that. Mm-hmm. But with 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 my stories, it's more like a it's more like a film.
1: I've always wanted to to be a scriptwriter, and so to learn, I figured you know it'd be best if I read a bunch of scripts. Mm-hmm. Well, I was able to download the entire Quentin Tarantino script wow. dossier. And nice. So I've got all his scripts and I'm going, why am I even trying to start there? Maybe I should <laughs> be trying to look at a script for a commercial or something.
2: Well, go big or go home, Randy. Well, you
1: to too, right? <laughs>
2: right. You gotta dive in with, with both feet and just fake it till you make it.
1: Well, I mean, look at look at the success he had though, right? And I mean his scripts, if you if you look at them, they're like, that's it. I think the
2: directing brings them to life, and I think that the actors he chooses really really form his films yeah right i think it's i mean again that's a whole other sidebar about quentin tarantino films and i i'm a fan i enjoy his movie his movies
1: i enjoy his soundtracks
2: oh aren't they fantastic <laughs> oh, man <laughs> they're so good they are so good I, I, just, actually, they're perfect.
1: <laughs> I have his entire catalog of music from his movies oh nice and i use them as uh as part of my writing playlist
2: Oh yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love, I, I just, yeah. I, I think out of any film, like creator out there, any director, any writer, I think his soundtracks are the best.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Although I don't know if you watched Umbrella Academy on Netflix.
1: No, not yet.
2: Okay. It's superb. And the soundtrack for the uh, season one and season two of Umbrella Academy, spot on. If you like Tarantino's choices, you will probably love that.
1: I'll have to look that up then. It's funny how this line of conversation ended up where it is, because the next question is, uh, when you write, do you prefer silence or do you have something playing in the background? You know, if, what what is it?
2: If I have a choice, it's silence. I I just, I want to be in my own world. I don't want to hear anything else. Um, but if, say, for example, I'm trying to write and my husband's watching TV or, you know, the kids are doing something I'll pop in my earbuds and listen to rain so thunderstorms rain I, it's kind of like that white noise so then it just kind of drowns out the other stuff but as much as I love music I'm not I'm a silence kind of lady I like it quiet
1: it's funny you're the second one I've interviewed in the last two weeks who who prefer absolute silence
2: yeah and it's funny because like I don't get how people can write with I mean I can read with something on I just tune it out. I'm very good mother of four. You know, I get I, school teacher. I can tune out a lot of stuff. But if I'm really husband. into something, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I think that if it was my choice, like my first choice would just be silence. It would just be me. If There's maybe some like ambient sort of like river sounds or like rain sounds is fine. But I just would prefer it, prefer it quiet. Because I think too, like if I'm listening to stuff I like, then I kind of get sidetracked and want to sing along or.
1: I've got a 15 hour playlist for writing.
2: Oh, I have, mine's like my short thing on Spotify. That's like my rain sounds. And it's like, I don't know, two hours of rain sounds. (laughs) And that's my whole playlist for writing.
1: (laughs) Nature sounds. Yeah, no, uh, there's a place for those too. And, you know, if I, if I, if I remembered to, I, I, I would have put those in as well. But I mean, I go from anywhere from classical right up to thrash metal.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, classical I could handle. Like, anything that's instrumental would be less, I guess, distracting to me. Um, But anything with lyrics, forget it.
1: Another okay. question that uh, is not on the list. Oh, uh, Randy. That, no, 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 no. There's a reason okay. for this. There is a reason <laughs> for this. And everybody gets this treatment. So uh, some of them have been edited out, though. <laughs> MTV used to have a, a, a part of their show where they would ask musicians, if you could re- have written any song, which one would it be? So now to you, I will ask, if you could have written any book, short story or not, uh, or whatever, which one would it have been?
2: Oh, that's so hard. Um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I guess I would probably say like one of my favorite books, um, is The Chrysalids by John Wyndham. I, I love that book. It's one of my, probably favorites that in the giver by lois lowry are probably my two top two favorite books i think to have written either of those i think if i could have said that that was me i think i would feel i would feel really good about that i think just because they just hold such a special place in my own heart or maybe even charlotte's web let's let's get serious here <laughs> maybe
1: even charlotte's web that's not even in your wheelhouse
2: oh but that's not but i mean I don't just write horror, um, sci-fi, speculative fiction. Um, I mean, I enjoy all kinds of literature. I think I just don't like Westerns aren't my thing, but I, or like Harlequin romance or something. But I mean, I enjoy a, a variety of genres, but okay. I think that like, when I think about one of those books that's dear to my heart, I think if I could say that yeah, I wrote Charlotte's Web, that was me. You know, I think that would be, that'd be an accomplishment.
1: So we're going to move into part two now. And uh Ooh. which I call Shake Your Moneymaker because this is the part where you talk about what you've written and where people can find it and stuff. So with that being said, can you tell everybody what you've written, what you've published?
2: Sure. Um, so there's quite a few. Um, I'm just going to pick a couple, I think. So sort of I have a story called The Calling, which is through Midnight Sh- in Midnight Shadows, which is uh, published by Erie River Publishing. And all of the books that I'm going to talk about or magazines are available like through Amazon. You know, if you go or Kindle, anything that you go into like that, you'd be able to, to find them. So Midnight Shadows from Erie River Publishing. Another anthology i mean is called Home and there's one called The Deep and they're both through Ghost Orchid Press. I have uh, one through, called 666, through Black Hair Press. And I'm in Space and Time Magazine, issue 140. And issue 141, which hasn't come out yet, there's delay there, but I'm in issue 140, and I have another one, some poetry coming out through them. Kind of my big exciting thing that's that's not out yet, but is coming out next spring, or like spring 2020, is I'm in a, a poetry and yeah, 22. Um, I'm in a um, poetry anthology called Under Her Skin, and it's out through Black Spot Books. And it's um, a poetry anthology by uh, by women and cis trans women um, sort of, uh, it, it covers everything from, you know, body horror to uh, just like kind of uh, just different political issues, different issues with women and equality. And um, so that's coming out. So I'm pretty excited about that one. That's getting a lot of, uh, good traction and, and some good publicity out in the uh, horror realm. So, um, that's a good one that's coming up. Um, I have some online different ones. I have ones online through Ghost Orchid Press, uh, in their uh, short story collection. I have some dark moments through Black Hair Press, through their, uh, online publications, Pulp Factory e-zine. I was in their actually inaugural edition. A sci-fi story that's on there and they're just an online publication and i have a couple other upcoming upcoming ones that aren't i can't necessarily talk about yet that are coming up that uh like they My haven't secret. released it is they haven't released like the you know the the authors yet and uh, the contributors so some i can't really say much about but i have you know five or six coming out uh, between now and, and next spring yeah so that's sort of and all those all those uh publications can be found um like I said before if you were to to go to uh, Amazon or to go um into Kindle a lot of them are available uh through there
1: Wonderful uh you kind of already touched on this next one but uh, so are you currently working on something and if you are how close to being done is it? so like you're, do you are you do you have a book that you're working on Personally I book? do
2: I do have um I have a novel that I'm working on I mean I've started a bunch of novels but this one um <laughs> I joined the Nano NaNoWriMo this year. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write this novel. I'm going to finish it. Um, I'm about halfway at my goal right now. Okay, so um, today is
1: what? It's November? The 17th. 17th? So yeah. how many words do you have as of November 17th?
2: Just over 20,000, and I'm trying to get to 50. Okay. So, you know, I'm almost halfway there. And we'll see. I, I kind of set 50. I don't know if the story is going to pan out to 50 or not. It might kind of kill itself off around 40, but it's kind of the biggest project that I've taken on. Like I said, I'm more of a short story person. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to go in and do it and get it done. And, and I like the challenge of doing that all in a short, short space <laughs> or micro fiction. I love micro but, uh, yeah. So it's a, a story about it's kind of sci-fi horror, sci-fi paranormal. About, uh, some zombie kind of cats and, um, a skeletal cat army. Some murders happen. No, um, no I
1: live alone with a cat. Don't do that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. You might not, you might feel differently after this book. I and mean, it's not anti cat. Uh, <laughs> okay. by myself, but it's about a veterinarian and her experience was sort of this, this something. Her patients are dying and they're trying to figure out what's happening. And there's some murders and it's sort of a, a sci-fi paranormal story. So, Who knows what will come out of it when it's actually finished, but it's coming along. I feel good about it. So that's kind of my big project. And I'm always kind of working on like some short stories and different things. There's a lot of different things coming up for a short story, like uh, a lot of micro fiction for Christmas horror, which I love. I do have a Christmas horror piece coming out with black hair press. This, our release date hasn't come out yet. It's a charity anthology, the Krampus story, which is Krampus and the devil. And it's, uh, it's one of my favorites I've written. So it's quite, I love it. It's enjoyable. (laughs) So it's uh, upcoming. But I think right now I've kind of put aside a lot of my um, normal time that I spend submitting to sort of just commit my time for writing, which is, yeah. So I haven't, I think I've submitted one thing in the last few weeks just because I've been so focused on trying to actually complete this novel. And then I might be able to say, yes, I have a novel. It's just not published yet, but I have a novel.
1: We'll go to the last question and make it uh, less painful for you then. How and where can listeners find you on the web?
2: Yeah, so I have a uh, kind of a blog, which has been ignored lately, but it's uh, ravenfictionca.wordpress.com. Okay. And I have different uh, blog articles I've written just about different aspects of writing different aspects about themes in writing just kind of my journey I guess as a writer um, there's links to my publications on there that sort of thing so it's uh yeah it's not you know a heavily loaded website or, or blog site it's just sort of my journey as a writer I think I put it out there just to kind of force myself to have some presence somewhere um under Blaze Langua I'm on Twitter not that I'm overly I'll be honest that's not my most active spot to be yeah, so I think if you wanted to know more about me, or know more about my writing, or my writing style, or sort of my my take on all of that, then uh, RavenFictionCA.wordpress.com is your best place to find that.
1: And all your magazine uh, entries are all listed there as well, or? Yep,
2: all my publications are listed on there with links um, either to the publisher or links to um, the sale site and uh, list some upcoming publications as well.
1: That's wonderful. Blaze, thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, it's oh, you're welcome. A, it's been a joy. Uh, I love the excitement and joy in your voice about what you do. And I think every every writer I talk to is, is passionate about what they do with this craft. But um, you've been very exuberant about it. So thank you for that. <laughs> Uh, Thank you for coming on, and the best of luck to you in, in, in your future endeavors.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure.
1: You've been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will be speaking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. If you liked what you heard, click the subscribe button to be notified of any and all new episodes or content. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. Thanks for your time and ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on.